When Janaki Fisher Merritt was a kid growing up on the farm, his idea of teenage rebellion was telling his parents how they should be doing things. Now the co-owner of the food farm in Rancho is telling a whole new generation of farmers. Welcome back to The Simple Plate, tales of local food produced by local people. In this episode, we meet Jonike Fisher Merritt. His folks started farming near Holyoke and later Renshaw in 1975. Ten years ago, Jonike and his wife, Annie Dugan, took over the food farm, offering summer, winter, preserving, and egg shares, and supplying a number of local restaurants and grocery stores. They've established a community root cellar and a variety of farm mentorships and education, workshops, and field days. And even the Free Range Film Festival plays a part in the work they do. Janaki admits to an interest in the farm from a young age, but he credits that to his parents, John and Jane Fisher Merritt. They met in Oregon in uh, the early 70s. And they were kind of farming on some rented land out there, really wanted to have their own place, but couldn't afford land in Oregon, coastal Oregon. It was, you know, pretty expensive already. And so they decided to move to Minnesota <laughs> and uh, showed up uh, in 1975, uh, were able to buy 200 acres in the middle of nowhere, uh, and that was down in Holyoke, uh, and that's where I was born. And then we moved to this farm, which had uh, better soil, closer to Duluth, and um, uh, a longer growing season, actually. That that place was fairly low-lying, had a lot of swampland around it, even though it had fairly well-drained soil. And... Um, it was kind of a frost pocket. So they, they had a 30-day growing season one year and realized, okay, we, we may need to move to a different place. Um, so we moved up here in 88, and then they farmed this place until 2010 uh, when Annie and I bought the place from them. We're growing vegetables, which are inherently more labor-intensive. The idea of requiring more labor means you need more people to do things, and when you need more people to do things, and you're a kid growing up on the farm, it's it's nice to feel needed and useful and part of that. My experience on the farm is, you know, there was a there was a role for me. My sort of teenage rebellion would be, I didn't like the way they did things, and I was not afraid to say it. <laughs> and so they, their reaction to that is, oh, okay do your idea. And so then I was in charge of that part of the operation. And so that just kind of slowly continued to the point where by the time I was out of college, a decent chunk of the farm was my responsibility. And so it was both, I felt needed and valued, but also I had sort of designed the farm and I really was invested in how it worked going forward. It was a very natural organic, if you will, uh, transition. So what you're saying is you rebelled yourself into a full-time job. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was needed on the farm, and they recognized that they needed me. Kids, are they're not really needed as much anymore. I mean, large, large corn and soybean farms don't need much labor, and that that's a real difference with a with a diversified farm where you have a lot of different 
enterprises going on and a lot of different crops working together, it takes a lot more management. It takes a lot more people thinking and paying attention. That makes things more expensive because people are expensive. But um, but you can't have a community without people who have worthwhile work to do. People complain about kids being lazy, which could be true, but it's also a symptom of them not having something that feels important for them to engage in. It would be very unusual for someone to have, you know, what you would have seen here in the 40s and 50s. But you will find, on a local level, you will find people like us who are growing not one crop on 2,000 acres, but 40 different crops on 15 acres. The real diversity in the landscape from small grains to vegetable crops to, you know, laying hens. It's not the most profitable way to do farming, but it also is, it is more human scale and it is more satisfying. That's worth something. You know, it is, I think that kind of farming is really important from a social standpoint. When you talk about all these small towns in, in rural America that really have lost population, are getting older, the social network is kind of disappearing. That's a result of not having people making a living on on the land. I just think it's really important that people are able to support that kind of work and having people who are farming on that, that kind of smaller scale that's more diverse, that has animals and plants on the landscape and is bringing together those different aspects of an agricultural ecosystem. The food tastes better, it's better for the land, and it's better for the people who eat it. We really believe in what we're doing. We really believe that our area can and should feed itself to to a large extent. We are able to grow our own food here, and we think it's good for us economically and socially to be able to provide food for ourselves. That actually takes a lot of people engaging in that kind of work, and we would rather, instead of us feeling like it's our job to feed everybody, it's, uh, it's our job to feed a lot of people, and it's also our job to help other people get started so they can do something similar. The other part of it is, you know, a little bit selfish. It's, it's just nice to have colleagues and people who know what you're going through. When it rains for a week straight in October, you can call them and have somebody to complain to or something breaks down and you can borrow their transplanter or tractor or whatever. And, and having that farming community is really important from a certain perspective. We're, we're cultivating our own support network in addition to really helping to, to advance the whole cause of local food and provide more people with fresh local produce that, that really is helpful, again, economically and socially. And by the way, it tastes really good. You can listen to this conversation again online at KUMD.org under the Northland Morning tab, where you can also leave comments or questions. This episode of The Simple Plate was written and produced at KUMD by Lisa Johnson, with music from Andy Halleck and Polo and support provided by the Whole Foods Co-op of Duluth. The Simple Plate is also located wherever you find your podcasts, so you can take us with you when you go out to eat or share us with your friends and family. 